Welcome to the SAME Real-Time Podcast, featuring an inside look across the Society of American Military Engineers and the work that our 30,000 members and 105 posts are doing to support national security and strengthen the engineering potential of the United States. And now, your host, SAME Executive Director, Joe Schrodel. I'm sitting here near Boston, Massachusetts, getting ready for the Boston Post Industry Day. I'm sitting with Gary Gordon, and Jim Hagen is on the other end of the phone. And Jim, where are you? You're in Chicago? Uh, I'm in urban Chicago. I'm at home today, getting back from the West. That's great. And you're in Chicago, so this is a proof of technology for our podcast. We want to talk about resilience today, so I appreciate you guys taking a few minutes so we can do this. My pleasure. So, you know, we're sitting here, and Jim and Gary have uh, agreed to lead the new Resilience Committee. Uh, Jim is the chair, Gary is the vice chair, and they're getting themselves organized. So how about, Jim, why don't you lead off and talk a little bit about the uh, committee, and then I'd like Gary to talk a little bit about the, uh, the meeting we're going to host up here, what, April, is that right, Gary? In April, yes. In April. So, Jim, why don't you give us a little bit about your thoughts about the, the new committee? Okay, I'd be happy to. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. To kind of give you guys a uh, little bit of a background, what had transpired is we had had a group called the, the TISP Council, uh, basically the Infrastructure and Security Partnership, uh, that had been started up many years ago by General Flowers and then was kind of brought into the SAME family as a council a couple years ago or even more. But the relationship has actually been there since the inception. And basically, uh, there was kind of a resilience and readiness focus with that group. And then in addition to that, we have had a uh, cybersecurity task force uh, that has been set up for probably the last few years that in tandem has looked at cyber issues and tried to focus their efforts on how they want to move forward. Based on both of those, we have dovetailed both of those great efforts into a new resilience committee, which of course is tied into goal four of our strategic plan. Our our challenge has been many fold, but I think the most important one was to try to plant a flag with a definition of what we mean by resilience uh, that is based on not only what industry and partnership conversations have developed into, but also with where we want to go with cyber and the objectives of goal four. So I think what you'll find is we're at the very beginning of setting the final wording on that. So we're establishing our, our mission and our vision as we know it. Uh, to give you folks a little idea of where we're headed on the definition, we are headed towards something similar to what is in the executive order set out by President Obama for resilience. We are not emphasizing as much climate change or quality of human life, although those are very important. We're trying to focus on how resilience relates to infrastructure and man-made and non-man-made threats to that infrastructure. In addition to cybersecurity, we're following on with the existing uh, task force recommendations of cybersecurity as it relates to industrial controls and also focusing on certain types of energy security within the cyber framework. We're going to probably denote those definitions a little bit more as you watch our website in the coming weeks. We are developing a committee, which uh, Gary is a part of, but without going into the nature of the organization itself, I guess I would leave it this way, just to see, to let you all know what the proper 
down to the post in our communication stream. Also being a liaison in his committee to various other committees within SANE, such as architectural, environmental, and energy and sustainability. So all those good things they're doing in resilience will also feed into our program as well. We will also have a chair for national partnerships and outreach. And then we're also going to take advantage of folks that were part of TIS as a technical advisory group uh, that will focus in on all the good things and thoughts and think tank type of uh, procedures and processes that they've worked on in the past. So it's a very ambitious venture. And uh, then again, I can't speak highly that we'll have people behind the scenes helping with programs and webinars and our tracks at JETC. But more importantly, we're looking forward to putting in a knowledge management system under our programs group that will be kind of a clearinghouse for all work on resilience and cybersecurity, hoping to also get input from those other committees besides resilience to have a one-stop shop for society membership to move forward. I know that's a mouthful, Joe, but at least that's, that's where we are right now. No, that's a good start, Jim. Thanks. And clearly you're passionate about it, which is great, and I know Gary is. I'm a... I'm going to ask Gary a couple of questions here, too, in a minute. Yeah, I, I would also add, too, not only cybersecurity and energy in the way you described it, but also water. Those are the three pieces in our strategic plan. The other, the other piece that I think is important that you underscored is, unlike the experience we had with TISP, we really want to make sure that, that resilience and our goal four is relevant at the post level. So I'm looking forward to the work that you guys are going to do to help make the Resilience Committee a lot more relevant for posts than what we've done in the past. Hey, Gary, how about talking about a little bit about the roundtable that we're going to host up here in New England this spring to help start the process of really answering that question. How do we really help posts understand what it is they can do at the local level? How about, talk about right. that a little bit. What we're going to do, thanks Joe, what we're going to do is in April we're going to have a roundtable that will put together the stakeholders key post and regional folks, as well as government agencies that will have a vested interest in the process. And in this, to get the vested interest, we want to look at it not just from a post level. We don't want to look at a national level, and we don't want to look at it at a region, and at just a national level or just a discipline level. We want to look at it regional, because if you look at a disaster, whether it's man-made or, or natural, you're going to find that it's going to have a regional impact. That's a good point. And by having yeah. a regional impact, we want to build our model for the entire committee on a regional approach. So, for example, here in Boston, we have the Boston Post. We also have Piscataqua Post in Hampshire in Maine. And we also have the Narragansett Post in Rhode Island. And if you have anything happening in any one of those areas, whether it's south of Boston or north of Boston, you're going to impact another state, another post, and another set of stakeholders and government agencies. So by having this meeting... What we want to do is find out what are what the people want, what what are the issues that they have, and what can they provide. For example, we're gonna we're looking right now at targeting having, of course, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the respective state national guards, the U.S. Coast Guard, FEMA Region Ones in Boston. We're also going to look at the protective security advisors of DHS who have a vested interest in the protection of critical infrastructure for DHS. And other government agencies will have EPA because they're worried about any pollution that may happen by a disaster. We'll look at Mass Emergency Management Agency and, and Rhode Island DEM, as well as whatever New Hampshire and Maine have that I'm going to focus on. And we're basically going to get down in probably a day and a half 
and shape out what we think we want to do in the committee. Because we're going to start, it's, this to me is an iterative process. You know, Jim, you and I on tomorrow, we're going to start really formulate based on the good work that you did, our mission, objectives, and goals of the committee. Okay, then we want to see from a regional level how we can accomplish that. And then once we accomplish that, odds are we're going to re retool um, our focus, goals, and mission. And then we'll take that approach. And once we figure that out, to me, that will be the foundation or the base model for interaction of all regions throughout the whole country of SAME with their different posts. For example, um, Joe, you were talking about the Tulsa post. They're probably going to work with Oklahoma City post and perhaps even the post up in northern Texas based on their in Tornado Alley. Okay? Right. That's and right. then, then if you go to California, you're going to take your post around San Francisco because they're worried about earthquakes, you know, in that coast. So once we build the regional model, okay, that model can be adapted and brought to the regional vice presidents because I plan on, once we have our mission, roll it out to the RVPs. And once the RVPs have all that information, okay, we're going to ask that they disseminate it to their post presidents and that we help facilitate, you know, the building of a regional model within their own regions. Just one of the things that you reminded me of, I've, as I get around and meet with CEOs and presidents of uh, our sustaining member companies, you know, I've had a couple of the companies explain to me that they'd love to be a part of that get-together here in the spring. And uh, so I think that's another opportunity. When you guys pull off what you're talking about, it becomes another great opportunity at every level, regional and post-level in the society, for collaboration between local communities, government at all levels. Glad to hear you talk about not just federal, but federal and state and local entities. So when you throw our sustaining member and industry partners on top of that, we then fulfill our vision through your committee of being that pivot point for collaboration. Absolutely. To really help our folks out. So I, my hat's off to you guys. So when are you looking at doing that? Do you have a rough well, idea? April-ish? Yeah, April. <laughs> Jim, you have a calendar handy? Yeah, and let me, if I can, I've got a calendar handy, but while I'm getting that, too, I wanted to add, Joe and Gary, a couple other things. Number one is, you know, a lot of the national partnerships, forums that we've attended at places like GMU and George Washington have also included DOE. Uh, so then we've looked at kind of the three major agencies that have been involved in talking about the protective security advisory groups. It's been the Office of Secretary of Defense, OSD, as well as DOE and DHS. So I know we'll be outreaching to them as well and other folks who, who get on board. Uh, the other thing, though, I, I'd like to mention, Joe, that Gary and I have talked about, and I thank you for your input. I think it was yesterday or the day before when we talked. And, Gary, I haven't had a chance to talk to you. But I think what we're going to try and do is by the time we get to April, We'll also be reviewing some of those submittals for Goal 4 and the streamers in resilience that a lot of the posts and regions are already, you know, that are ongoing with their current activities. I think that will always also give us a greater thumbnail sketch in addition to what all our personal knowledge is as well. So I think we'll be a little bit more locked and loaded and ready to go. Joe and, and Gary and I, I think have talked about this and so has Nick. We're looking at, uh, there were two options, maybe the second or the fourth full week in April. Uh, right now it's looking like, I think on Gary's schedule, the 27th and the 28th, being that we're really looking at a 
12-hour agenda meeting, a full day of one and half a day on the other. 27-28 is what we're looking at with maybe a backup of 13th and 14th. Okay, well, that's that's good. And, you know, back to your, your comment, too. I'm glad to hear you collecting up input from posts to see what they're already doing because that will lead to best practices, which Absolutely. is, I'm sure, something that you're going to do. And then the other thing that that offers is, you know, what we tell all of our posts and regions that, that what right looks like in SAME is that our posts are not only vibrant, but they're vibrant and relevant locally. So I think the work that, that you all are about to spearhead here will probably, in no doubt in my mind, make a huge contribution to what we're trying to achieve in the entire society, and that is really help our posts understand how they can become more relevant locally. So thanks. That's great. Gary? Yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. And I'm glad you brought up DOE because if you go to the Piscataqua Post, they have Seabrook Nuclear Plant. And if you go down towards Plymouth, you have another nuclear plant. So absolutely. And what we're going to do is Jim and I, uh, Joe, are going to basically develop who we think should go there, then circulate to see who makes sense. And I'm going to talk to the RVP and see and the post presidents and see who they think should attend. Okay. And just go from there. And when you talked right. about industry, right. when I talked about stakeholders, right. I meant industry partners. No, that's good. Remediation just, folks, contractors, et cetera. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we highlighted that. Well, well, that's great. You know, one of the things that I'd like to talk about while we have a few minutes left here, Gary, is I know you also like to teach. I do. And, and I know you're heavily involved with our students. What role do you see for our student chapters, perhaps? Or from your, from your educational experience with students today, where do you see oh. them fitting in? Well, I see, unbelievable. I'm glad you asked. Our April meeting is, is uh, for my resilience meeting, Jim. It's not going to be a traditional bring somebody from FEMA, bring somebody from DHS. The, the two of the classes that I, I teach a bunch of classes, but two I teach, one's critical infrastructure protection, and the other is emergency management. And each semester in emergency management, they have to do a disaster case study analysis ah, of a man-made and a natural disaster. Smart. And in my critical infrastructure protection class, they have to do a risk assessment of a DHS sector, subsector, and a specific facility. So last semester, I had some pretty good presentations. One, so what I did is I chose the best presentation in emergency management, and I took the best presentation in critical infrastructure protection, and I asked them to, would they be willing to present that at my resilience meeting? Oh, I love it. And, Great idea. And by having them present it, these kids are absolutely ecstatic. I had the first round of meetings earlier this week with the students as we polish up their presentations. The disaster case study is going to be Hurricane Katrina and Chernobyl. All right. And what they have to do wow. is they, they okay. have to look at Good. when they have to do about the resilience, uh, the, you know, the disaster uh, life cycle, you know, preparedness, response, recovery, mitigation. They have to look at all those aspects. And that gets into the resilience when you get to specifically when you get to the mitigation stage. Right. All right. So they're absolutely thrilled. And the second, the critical infrastructure risk assessment is the dam sector, which is near and dear to our hearts at the Army Corps of Engineers. Oh, I love it. All right. And the subsector sub is, is not flood control, but power generating dam is the Hoover Dam. Oh, I love it. And so what they're Great. doing is, and they're doing a risk assessment on that, looking at the threats, the vulnerabilities, the consequences, and the linkage, which is huge. There's a linkage between every one of your critical infrastructure sector. There is a linkage. So if you hit the dam, you hit the dam sector, you're going to hit the transportation sector, you're going to hit the water wastewater sector, you're going to hit the uh, electrical sector, the energy sector, you can hit them all. That's right. Okay. No, you're, even hit, you're even going to hit food and agriculture. 
Yeah. Because of, uh, great, because of irrigation. Great point. So they're going to be doing that, and we're going to be hope that, that if they're good enough to get them published in the military engineer, this is how we're going to attract interest in, in student chapters. These kids are ecstatic. And to couple with that, we're going out to some DHS research at the university on one, it's on technology for border secu- for security. Okay. We're doing one, we're putting one in for border security, um, which is extremely topical nowadays if you watch the news. That's right. We're at, what we're looking at is can we use a ground-penetrating radar or anything else that can detect tunnels or stuff that's under the border? I love All right? it. So this the, is great. They, this is they, great. They want technology that can be either aerial on a drone, Okay, not an Amazon drone, a real military drone. Can it be on an ATV? Can a Border Patrol agent carry it or a combination of the above? Wow. So that, that's one wow. grant we're going after. Okay. And, and the other grant is going to be on trace detection, new types of trace detection, like with infrared radar, radar infrared signatures, okay, for uh, explosives. So we're going with both of them. The reason I brought that up is, one, it's cool stuff, and I'm having a blast doing it. But the other item is I was talking to the head of civil engineering, and they have an ASCE post there and a tunneling post. Uh, I forgot what the tunneling organization is post. I said, how about SAME? He said, you could be the uh, faculty advisor. So that's my hidden goal. That's a secondary, that's value added to the presentation of the students. Well, I think it's great. You know, it, it's clear, it's clear just listening to both of you, which I think is huge. And why I was anxious to, to do this podcast uh, as soon as we got here where I could get both of you. It's clear that you're passionate about what you're doing. It's clear that you guys have the, the technical know-how to lead this committee. So the, the benefactors clearly not only will be our posts, but, but will be the people of our country who, who benefit from the work that we all do. One of the things that I'll commit to both of you, before I let, ask each of you to kind of give a, a final thought, is I think what you presented today in this podcast is important. And I'll make sure we get the podcast not only out on iTunes like we usually do, but also get it out in an attachment to an email to uh, all of our RVPs and post-presidents. They need to hear what the two of you just said, because it's important. So, Jim, any final thoughts? Well, I just wanted to put a postscript on, I think, a question you had, and that was, in addition to the student chapters, I have to give kudos to Matt Altman. They have a procedure in their committee where they send out liaisons to try and keep in touch with all the goings-on and to, you know, facilitate communication between the two committees. Matt has already done that through a young lady that's based in New Orleans, part of his committee, and so we're starting the dialogue with the young members, and it's actually they've been stepping up to find out more about how we're putting this together. So just an FYI for you and the membership as well. Great. Good point. All right, Gary? My my thing is, as Joe, you know, and Jim, as I guess as you're learning, I'm pretty passionate in what I do. I learned that, I started this passion in the Army, carried it through my time at TSA, and now, you know, as I'm retired twice, <laughs> um, I'm working full-time, I want to pass it on to the next generation. We're the baby boomers, and our time is now to pass it on, pass the torch, but I want to give them as much knowledge and the, the fire in the belly that I have, because they're going to make my grandchildren's future in this country safer and more secure. Wow, couldn't have said it better. You know, to both of you, thanks. I've known both of you. You both of you have an unbelievable passion, not only for what you're doing here, but for our society and our country. So thanks, both of you. God bless. So we're going to get this on the air and get people knowing what you're doing. <laughs>